Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B, and on this show, we'll talk truth on tough topics to help you normalize and navigate the junk and invite you to choose epic joy on the daily. Because let's be honest, life gets to be a whole lot of both. We'll jam on beliefs, breakups, body image, and so much more to create breakthroughs and become the truest you. Like my mama B always says, put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Let's start. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I'm so stoked for today's episode. I have an amazing woman with me today, Miss Kelsey Cunningham is a women's life coach, mother to two boys, a cattleman's wife in Eastern Washington, and a nurse who seeks to not only survive the beauty the chaos of life, but to thrive and live with vitality. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. I am so beyond excited to be here. Like I have wanted this. I wrote it on my vision board. I was like, I am making this happen this year. And here we are. Here we are. I'm so happy too, because as I was sharing with you before the show, I, there, there's one thing missing from my portfolio, not one, there's many, many things, but the one piece is that I have so many women that I come in contact with, that I work with, that um, I talk with, and a lot of them are mothers. And that's one thing that I have not fulfilled in my life. Um, I don't know that I ever will be a mother. And so when women come to me and they're talking about kind of like the pains of motherhood um, and not having enough time and not having enough energy and not feeling like they're enough and not all the things that come with motherhood and that responsibility. I cannot relate to that. I really, really cannot relate to that. And I can empathize with that. I, I have a mother. I've seen mothers. I have lots and lots of friends who are mothers who talk to me about things all the time, but it's one thing to see it, hear it. It's another thing to actually be it, feel it, live it every single day. So I'm really, really grateful that you were willing to come on and and have this conversation that so, so many of our listeners really, really need to hear. Yeah, I'm beyond excited. Motherhood is, I often call it a beautiful mess (laughs) because (laughs) it has, it has the, a way of just like anything that may have been, you know, was like something that may have been a mess in your childhood or a mess in your life now. It has a beautiful way of just bringing it all the way to the surface. But at the same time, bringing it with a lot of humor, you have to laugh at yourself. You have to realize that things every day, every moment is going to be different. And and I have two boys, so like with a side of poop. <laughs> the topics and conversations, you know, once you become a mother, your life really does change. And trying to figure out how to navigate your life now and but still be the woman that you were before is really my key and where I'm going with this because I find so many women get lost in motherhood and I always want to ask them well who were you before you had kids Mm. who were you before you had kids do you want to talk a little bit about that and then kind of the shift yeah so kind of my story I I love a good to-do list, right? Like I'm one of those people who (laughs) likes to write a to-do list. I've got all the box. It's all written down. But I also have found that I literally have made a to-do list for my life. And this started kind of um, at a young age. My parents divorced when I was 12. And so I think it was a way for me to kind of figure out like some sort of normalcy or some sort of 
way that, okay, I'm going to do these things and this is what's going to get done. Even if like my world was chaos, this is what I was going to do. Like so much certainty, just like having that certainty of like, I know what to expect, right? When everything else around you feels like it's just like, I don't even know what's going on right now. Exactly, exactly. And so from the age of 12, what I learned as a coping mechanism is just to hustle. I got busy. (laughs) And I wonder how many other women can relate to this in the fact that, so then I got busy into school and I worked at a local fast food restaurant and I took on all the hours. I was constantly working, like keep me busy so that I don't have to actually deal with the emotions that I'm feeling. And then the chaos that is going on outside because I'm just going to be here. I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be grinding and hustling. I was like, damn, I am a good hustler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so to follow along with like my to-do list, even before I graduated high school, I was already checking off the boxes of things. I knew I wanted to be a nurse because I had this deep desire to, to help people. And nursing was just something in our family that all the women, the women just did, you know, it was something that it provided independence. You didn't necessarily need a man, you know, you supported yourself. It was a hardworking job, but it was also a very respectable job. And so even before that, I was taking CNA classes. I was volunteering, doing all the things. And so there was the first check mark into my life. Um, and when I went into prereqs in nursing school, if there's any other nurses on this podcast, they will totally get it. I mean, there literally is no time for the rest of your life. <laughs> like You mm. are so in nursing school that your life really does take a back burner, whether that's you're going into it late and you already have kids, you already have a family or not. This is what demands your attention. And I'm like, damn, I already got this figured out. I am number one at this. <laughs> like, I can already do this, right? <laughs> so nursing school to me, although it was hard and grueling, I was already in that pattern of, okay, I'm just going to put on my blinders. I'm not going to look at anything else. And I'm going to just dive into this. I'm going to stay up all hours of the night, you know, Red Bull coffee. Keep me awake because I need, <laughs> I need to get this shit done. And that's totally been what I'll tell you. Like, I'm going to get this shit done. This is my list and I'm going to get it done. And so once I got my nursing degree, there was the other check mark, you know, become a nurse. And before school, I had married my husband, whom I love. Amazing. He's such a supportive man. Uh, but that was another check mark get that done before I started nursing school. And so I went through nursing school to that. And it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. And I had my oldest son a month after nursing school. So that second year of nursing school, I was pregnant with him <laughs> because I had to have, <laughs> I was still on my mom's insurance at 26. And I'm like, I got to have this kid before I turn 27. <laughs> so I made sure that happened. <laughs> You were on the game plan. Like you had the checklist, like just literally checking off the boxes and keeping yourself so busy, so busy. Like you only knew how to belong in your busyness. Exactly. And so, um, had my son started part-time nursing at a, like a nursing home, skilled care, absolutely loved it. But I found that I tried to juggle so many things. So now I'm a mother, now I'm a nurse, now I'm a cattleman's wife. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm also going to get my bachelor's degree online. (laughs) Like you said, it's just, I'm going to add all these things to avoid the feelings that I didn't feel of fulfillment. Mm. So I would do all these things, but I would still at the end of the day, be like, what am I doing? Why am I here? I remember asking that all the time. Like, why am I here? Why do you give me this ache? 
you know, to God, like, why do you give me this ache, but then not tell me where to go? I felt, and I, I will say I felt a little bit of resentment, like, gosh, man, I'm like working my butt off here. Like, why is this not, <laughs> why is this not happening? And so my second son came, they're two years and two days apart. And so I had planned to have them two years apart. Wow. <laughs> another check mark, because I always wanted two kids. But so there's another kid, they were both in diapers. You know, I love being a boy mom because everything, you know, everything's just dirty. Everything's, <laughs> you just go with the flow, you know, peeing in the tractors and you know, on a ranch life and stuff. But when the boys were, let's see, my youngest July was a year and a half and Coulter was three and a half. I remember bawling on the floor, mm. bawling because I was starting to just feel like I had totally lost myself in motherhood and all the things that I put on my to-do list. I was just hustling and grinding, make sure the house was clean, making sure that the dinner was made, you know, supporting my husband, supporting my kids and making sure that to-do list was done every single day. But by the end of the day, I was resentful. I was mad because I had felt so exhausted, both physically, mentally. I wasn't sleeping. My one and a half year old was, I call him a serious mama's boy. I mean, to the T, like always had to be on me. And so to have him on me all the time, like I love him to death, but I was so tired. So and why do moms fall into this trap? I mean, you're literally giving the story of nearly every woman that I've ever met. Why do we fall into this trap of, I have to do it all and check it all off and be all the things? Why is why does that constantly happen when the same story is burnout? Like I'm burnt out on being a mom and this is everything that I've wanted to do and be in my life. Why do we find ourselves here? Yeah. So to the point, like you said, I felt even, I felt serious mom guilt in the fact that I had these kids. Like, this is what you've always wanted. You always wanted two kids. They're healthy. But then I felt that guilt of, okay, you should be doing more. You need to do more things with them. And so I knew this, I know this term of mom guilt is new, but you hear it all the time now. Right. Yeah. Like, and part of it too, you know, is, you know, society has changed and the fact that more women are working out of the home, those sorts of things. But women have always done, you know, these, these roles. They've always had these roles that they always do. And really putting yourself on the list to some people definitely is a selfish act. Yeah. 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 I think you're, you're spot on with that. There's these, all these societal norms that you've talked about before. And uh, society has literally taught people, put messages in our minds of how moms are supposed to be. And it used to be kind of like the leave it to beaver style. Maybe I'm really, really dating myself. I never really watched that show, but you know what I mean? This kind of like Smallville, um, live on the cul-de-sac with a dog and 2.5 kids and do the picket fence. And then, you know, doing all the things like running in a certain way. So they've done a really good job of paralyzing parents and putting you in this box that's like, you need to do it like this. You've got to like do school this way and be this way and introduce all these things and be the end all be all do all. And it's just not really fair or realistic to actually live a happy, fulfilled life as a mother. Yeah, we've added so many things on our to-do list. I would say that you're leave it to beaver lady though. Now, now she's rocking the messy bun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> messy bun, coffee, like. You know, it's the same, it's the same list that we put on ourselves, but it just looks a little different. Yeah. How has your list changed um, 
change now that you are much more enlightened or maybe just even talking about that shift, how did you find your way from just these chaotic states of kind of this robotic mom stuff that, that have to do list to this more like, I call it the get to do list, get to do list, want to do list. How did you make that transition? What is that? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So like most maps, you know, it's not a linear map of straightforward. It's funny how everybody's lives, and I love to hear stories of people's lives because it really goes all over the place, you know, up, down, around, and backwards. And, <laughs> and so mine, on that day that I had been crying on the floor, I had been watching a gal on Facebook who was doing these workouts. She was doing them from home, um, and she was a mom. And we were going in it was, I think, November of that year. So we're going into winter. My pants were starting to get tight. You know, I'd had two kids and I know that I was a little bit prone to what's known as like the wintertime blues, right? Where you don't get that sun because I am yeah. such a nature person that when it's too cold, I don't really go outside. And I was kind of, I was getting really worried. I'm like, okay, I'm already sitting here bawling on the floor. What is next week? What is next month going to look like? Because where I was at in my life, I was screaming at my kids. I was screaming at my husband. I was so unhappy. And so I'm like, hey, this lady looks really happy and she's working out and she's got a banging body. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, man, I wish I want that, right? So I joined with her and I started doing these workouts and they were really great, started making me feel better. But what I've come to find out is it was literally, it turned into another way of avoiding my feelings. Mm. Instead of adding another thing to do, I made sure I made that workout every single morning right? If I miss that workout, man, I'm a bad person. Why would I have done that? And so I then dove into that to where I worked out, I was restricting my food, I was weighing myself, I was looking at the mirror. And so I'm sure some of the women on this can totally understand where I'm coming from to where I would feel stressed, I would work out, right? I would get sad, I would work out. I would, mm. it was another way of just avoiding the feelings of the unfulfillment and the resentment that I was feeling. And so I dove into that and got really into it. You know, I was helping other women. I was doing that even as a coach. So then I'm bringing in all these other women under me like, yeah, hey, let's do this thing, right? And so many of them I know really suffered from poor body image also. Um, I have a little bit of that in my past. And about, I think, two years into it, I had gone to a, a really big convention for this workout program. And there was thousands and thousands of people there, mainly mm -hmm. women. And I remember I had never felt so empty in my life, surrounded by thousands of people. I cried the entire time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm there with all these women that I've met online. Like, why am I not happy? We'd gone to um, the bodybuilding competition because one of our teammates was in it. And I'm like, okay, I've never been to this before. Let's go see kind of what this is about. And I just stood there with my mouth open. I did not recognize the people on the stage as human. They were tanned a different color. You could see every muscle in their body. The women, you know, everybody was wearing really, really um, skimpy clothes. The women kind of bent over when they posed backwards. I'm like, oh, this is okay. And I could feel, I could feel almost their emptiness and their sadness. Although it didn't show it as they were walking across. When you go into that energy of that room, I just... It was the craziest experience because I'd never been to one of these things before. I'm like, why am I feeling this way? And afterwards, I went to the hotel and I just bawled. I just cried and cried and cried. 
and it was, I could just feel their pain and what they were restricting, how they were trying to look their bodies. You know, I wondered how many of them had suffered from sexual trauma. You know, what was the real reason? I wanted to kind of, I wanted to go up and hug them. Yeah. Like everything's going to be okay. Like, but I can tell that you're really, really hurting and you're really in pain. So that was a turning point for me that what I had just gotten myself into with this coaching really wasn't fulfilling me either. It almost sometimes made me feel more empty. It made me feel like who I presented myself in the mirror or what the scale said was my worth now. And so my mom, so fast forward about probably about six months of me just feeling empty, still trying to grind through that hustle of coaching women, you know, all the things on my to-do list. And my mom had gone to Africa. She has a nonprofit and Mm. she was talking about, you know, all of this poverty. She's like, I almost can't even explain to you how absolutely different it is. You know, there was a woman who made her living sitting on a pile of shale and hitting the rock and making it into tiny, tiny shale. And she made like a dollar a day and she did it for like 14 hours a day, but she had a job. And so she was just telling me all about all these things and, you know, it's really heartbreaking, but she's like, but they're so happy, you know, yes. they dance and they sing and the kids are just happy. Like, <laughs> she's like, I don't get it. They're so poor, you know? And I've always, for my whole life, wanted to make a difference. That was like, one of my things is I want to make a difference, whether that's in nursing, going to a third world country or whatever it is, I want to make a difference in other people's lives. And so I loved her story, loved all the things. But as soon as I got in the car, I just bawled again, like, okay, God, what the hell am I doing here? And that anger came up again, like, what direction, where do you want me to go? So mad, like ugly crying snot, you know, the whole thing. And literally that week was where I got introduced to the life coach program that I am in now. And when I had the call of, okay, is this something you want to do? You know, we talked about where are you coming from? It was like the hardest, now what I know know now is that intuitive hit. It was the hardest hit I'd ever felt to where it literally felt like someone had just punched me, cold, clammy hands, and an Mm. instant just came out of my mouth before I could even say it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I didn't allow myself to do the checklist of if I had the money, if I had the time, if I had, I didn't even ask my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Aligned action. Just take action. And, you know, it's the best thing that I've ever done. And really just figuring out, you know, what we actually need as mothers does take time. And some of it is, is looking backwards, like doing inner child work has been absolutely amazing and allowing myself to slow down, knowing that I have my own rhythm, my own pace. Whereas before, I think I felt like I was maybe on somebody else's hamster wheel. Yeah. Like it wasn't even my own. Yeah. It's just been amazing. It's been an amazing year since I said yes back in November. Mm. I I love what you said about um, the distraction and knowing that you wanted to help people. And so you went down one route mm-hmm. and kind of like fighting yourself on, I don't, part of the like, part of the sadness I feel like you were experiencing may have been that you were kind of mourning the fact that like, oh, I wanted it to be this. Like, I wanted it to be this and it's not this. What is it? What is it? What is it? And part of that is there's this need for 
us to want to know our purpose. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is the purpose of all of this? What is the purpose beyond motherhood? With motherhood and what else? Like, who am I as a human being? I'm not here to just be a mom. That's not what defines me. I'm, I'm so much more than that. I have so many more gifts to offer the world. And I feel like it sounds like there was just like find, finding your significance outside of your motherhood role for the first time of like, oh, I can call in all these other women. This is going to make me feel better. So yes, a distraction. And also like, what's my purpose? What's my significance? And then your soul went up, oh, not here not here. Try again. Try another door. Try another in. And then your soul went, yes, it's this door. And once you hit the right door, opened the right door, you were able to really shine and, and, and heal yourself. Because I think a lot of the times we just don't know where to go next. We just don't know where to go next. And we need the support of someone who's been through what we've been through to, to shine the flashlight on the areas that we, we can't even see within ourselves and then take us on the journey. I know that I needed that. I needed that so, so badly. It's just like, who's been through what I've been through? Who can understand what I'm growing through? And who can help me know where to go next? And we actually know ourselves where to go next. We really, really do. But sometimes we need somebody else to go, hey, here, try this. Here, try this. I see that you may want to be going in this direction. So let's try that on for size. So I love that you're in this space. Um, really able to help moms really, really get unlost and put themselves on their own to-do list. How do you put yourself on your own to-do list? So a lot of it, I think is, is part of it is figuring out what we do. You know, so many of us are trained and specifically as moms too, I notice this, that we, we try to be strong. We try to be strong for everybody. You know, we are the, we're the rock of the family. And so we try to be strong for everyone else's needs. And so what, like with your listeners, when you start to feel like maybe you're depleted or these sorts of things, it's figuring out what you do, what is more or less kind of your coping mechanism to, you know, something that isn't actually fulfilling you, whether that's, you know, binging, over-exercising, hustling, people-pleasing, controlling, manipulating, if you start to just kind of have an awareness around it and think, okay, stop what I'm doing right now, take a few deep breaths and figure out right now in this moment, what do I actually need? Because I've learned if I continue to just hustle and I continue to clean the house and I, you know, angrily stomping and I continue to people please and all these things, I'm actually worse off than if I had just sat with it for a moment and let whatever it was come up, whether that's emotions, you know, being pissed off, sadness. And so first part of it is definitely figuring out an awareness of the things that we do that aren't actually serving us. And then being able to, when the emotions and stuff come up, to really discharge those. And my favorite ways of doing that, I actually really struggled with meditation when we first started because I'm so busy, right? Like all these, the to-do list is there. <laughs> the to-do list there. I, why in the hell am I laying here on the floor when I could be doing the dishes, you know, getting ready for work, all the different things, cooking dinner. And so I had a really hard time with meditation of just being present because although I was laying there on the floor for the, however long the meditation was, 
my mind, I wasn't really there. My mind was off what all the things I should be doing. And so I was recently introduced to breath work and that has been an absolute lifesaver for me and that I'm, you are present with the moment because you're focusing on your breath and it kind of unlocks my door. So it's a way of unlocking that door that I had shut on myself for not letting the emotions come up. And so when I do breath work and particularly when I add it to music. So one thing I do with my clients is I really encourage them to make playlists just playlists to feel. That's all I tell them. They could be ones from your childhood. They could be sad ones. They could be happy ones. But whatever they are, there's some emotion somewhat tied to them, whether it's something that makes you want to dance, something that makes you want to cry, whatever it is. And just putting on music, sitting with myself and doing breath work has been a massive, massive tool for me that I do. And I really like to do it every morning, kind of just set my day at a good place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one note on that, cause we have had, um, we've had episodes on cup of joy talking about breath work and the benefits of breath work. We even had somebody recently doing breath work on the podcast. So people can understand what that looks like, what that feels like, but there's two types of it too, right? So it can be carving out time in your morning or during your day, because I know for a lot of women listening, it's like, I can't add one. They feel like this, right? You can relate. I can't add one more thing to my to-do list, not even myself, right? But there's also this element of just breathing in what you're doing because so often we forget to breathe while we're cooking dinner. We forget to breathe while we're helping the kids with the homework, while we're doing whatever we're doing, while we're even playing with the kids, right? Like, where is your breath? Is it, is it, are you holding it? I, I, before I started studying breath work and doing it in my own life, I realized I hold my breath a lot, like catch your breath. Literally, there's a reason why, why we use that phrase, like catch your breath, because sometimes it's running away from you. So wherever your breath is, that's where you are. And if it's all chaotic and all over the place, that's kind of where your mind's at. So really just knowing that breath can be as simple as like literally just noticing it and making it a little bit deeper while you're doing what you're doing and really being present with it. So I love that so much. What do you say to the moms and how have you combated this that say, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to add myself to my, to my to-do list. Where do we go with this one? And I think that is, is unique to each person. Um, because that question is great because it was something that when I first started, I'm like, oh, hell no, I don't have time. Like, no, but I don't have any time. And so I think it really takes looking at your life and figuring out what can sit. Hmm. Because when I first started kind of trying to put myself on the to-do list, I couldn't let there be laundry done or I couldn't let there be dishes in the sink, even for five minutes. Like that cannot sit there. And so really sitting with myself and saying, okay, you know, like that can wait a few minutes, five minutes, you know, even five minutes, even five minutes can be so powerful for a mom. Even if you're just hiding in the bathroom by yourself, which the moms will totally get that, you know, that just that time to yourself will give you just enough time to just do some breathing, maybe listen to some songs, dance in the kitchen, because it's so, so, so easy to get lost in motherhood. And I hear it all the time with my clients and my family members, you know, I have lost myself and they've literally lost themselves in their to-do list, but it takes figuring out also like what self-care 
because this is kind of part of it, is what self-care actually looks like for you. Because for one person, is vastly different than another. You know, society generally teaches us that self-care is getting your nails done, getting your hair done, getting a massage, going to yoga, like those sorts of things. But if those aren't your things, don't do those things. Like what actually makes you feel like maybe you have a purpose, maybe it makes you come back to yourself because that really is what needs to be added on your, your to-do list. Self-care is what needs to be added onto your to-do list. I love so I your... To just write it down, like just brain dump, whatever it is that for you feels like self-care. Mm. And I love to your commitment to like really just crushing the stigma around self-care because yes, those beautiful things, like you mentioned, the massage, the bubble bath, all the things, great, yay, but there's so much more that can be integrated without adding time and energy onto the to-do list. And I know that you've spoke about this before and the true self-care looks like having boundaries, listening to your intuition, really sitting with your dreams and your, and your belief systems. And really those things don't take more time when you learn how to embody them. It's like, oh, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm not available for that conversation. I'm not available for this thing over here, that thought pattern and those types of protective pieces to really guide and nurture your whole self, your whole body are so much more important than just like, just take a bubble bath every single, every single night and light some candles and listen to some music. Yeah, that might be great. But even as a woman without children, that, that rarely happens. It rarely happens. Um, and it's beautiful when you can carve out time to do that. But what are the things that we can't, that we don't need to carve more time out for that we just embody and we just be. And I know that that's so much of what you and I both teach. Mm -hmm. And to that part too, you know, if people are having a hard time figuring out like what self-care looks like to you, you could also make a list of things you know, on one side that says things that might drain me, whether that's certain people's energy, watching the news, being on social media. And then on the other side, write things that excite you. Like what makes you excited for the day? What makes you excited to jump out of bed? Or when you're in the middle of it, man, damn, I feel good today. Like what are those things? And then I'm sure that you can figure out there's some self-care you can do a little bit less of the ones that drain you and a little bit more of the ones that excite you. Yeah. I think a big part of self-care is also being able to show up so authentically. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I hear so many moms just say, Heidi, I'm just so exhausted. Like I don't have time to learn all your stuff because I'm just so exhausted. But my response to that is it's not exhausting when you know who you are. It's not exhausting when you get to just live in full authenticity and alignment with everything that you desire for yourself. And the exhausting part is not knowing. So we do need to do a little bit of self-discovery. And I love your checklist here of like, what's draining me? And that's the first part. And what's, what excites me? How do I balance out the scale to go, I'm going to do less of the draining and more of the exciting more of the things that I want to do. But a lot of times we just go, no, I can't do that because the expectation from society as mothers is we need to do all the draining first. And if there's anything left, we do what excites us. 
versus how can we make what excites us the main priority and show up in all of that first? Exactly. Yeah. I really love the authenticity piece because, you know, it's hard with, I will say it's a little bit harder with social media and mothering. You know, some people will, will flat out tell you this because, because what you see on Instagram or Facebook literally is a highlight reel. You know, your kids are, your kids are clean and they've got their outfits and they're smiling and um, the, the mom looks great and she's baked all these things and she's got the banging body and, but in all reality, if we just showed up more ourselves and, you know, with the struggles, with the things, you get more connections with other moms. Cause I know one of the hard part about motherhood is you feel like you've lost a bit of your community of where you belong. And some of that is because maybe your friends don't have kids yet. And you're the first one that has kids, or maybe yours are <laughs> your, your kids are a little bit more wild and you don't want to take them out. And so trying to find the moms that really support you and are not looking down on you in any way. You know, you can just call up and say, man, I have had a shit day, you know, it's just been a horrible day and talk to you, but then get you to laugh, but also really, really stand behind you because there's nothing like an amazing community of women, whether with or without kids that really support each other. And it's amazing. Amazing. That's that literally is what has changed my life. I was just um, really reflecting on this today is that the community aspect, which is such a core piece of everything that I do and include in my programming is I, I know that community is so, so necessary. Connection is everything. Having a space where people really understand what your pain points are, what you're going through so that you can talk about them openly. So you know you're not being judged. And I think also the authenticity piece is just showing up. You're so good at this. You are so, so good at this on your Instagram. And that's one of the things that I love about you is, and in real time, anytime I'm on a call with you, if the kids come in, it's just like, you're, you're literally multitasking both. And I feel like now it's just a subconscious thing. It's not, it's unapologetically you with the kids, without the kids. It's just, it's a part of your life experience that they may be hanging off of you, putting blow pops in your hair or, or getting completely dirty right in front of your face. And you're going about your business, laughing it off saying, I have kids. These are my kids. They're going to talk a little they're kind of loud. It's And it's so unapologetic now that it's actually like really delightful when you get to see their cute little faces and you're like, yeah, we're doing business over here. Or, yeah, we're doing this thing. And, and it gets to be both. It gets to be both so unapologetically. And I think that one of the pain points that a lot of moms have is that they're embarrassed to just be who they are in what they got in all of it every day. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I, I feel like you're on this mission to really like help women understand that like you just get to be you, all of you, all the time. Yeah. What I loved you said there was it gets to be both. You know, so many times we say, well, I'm a mother. And then you just kind of leave it. You yeah. know, that, that usually when you ask people what they do, that's usually at the top. The motherhood is at the top. They don't realize, you know, all the things that you love to do, creativity on the side, you know, what you love to do outside in your own spare time, like all those sorts of things. And I would really like to have more conversations with women about what they love to do. I like to ask people, what are you passionate about? It's become one of my new favorite questions in nursing because I, so often we ask people, what do you do? But when you do something, you know, that usually gives you an occupation. 
that doesn't tell me what you love to do, what you hate to do, these sorts of things. And I, you'll be surprised when you ask that question, what sort of different answers you get. And maybe a couple of weird looks because not very people have been asked that before. But like, what are you passionate about? What do you like to do? Um, it's, yeah, like I said, in nursing, it's become my new favorite question because I hear stories that I've never heard before and get to know my patients in a different way that they maybe have never expressed before. I think that's one of the most important things um, as a coach and in, a, in this space of wellness and really thriving um, as human beings is to know what questions to ask. And sometimes women, we don't even think about the basic question of like, what do I want today? What do I want for myself? What do I want out of my life? What do I want to be known for? How do I want people to remember me? And one of my favorite questions is what's lighting you up most? I love asking people that question because it makes them reflect twofold. The first one is like, ooh, sometimes it's really hard for people to find anything that's lighting them up. And then the conversation goes like, oh, okay, well, red flag over here. Why, what are we living life for? Right? So like, how can we make sure that I, I have an answer to that question 95% of the time, what's lighting me up? And then the other side of it is when they do know, they're like, wow. I have so much to be grateful for. There's a lot of things that are lighting me up or this one thing is lighting me up. I need to put more energy in that direction. It's, it's such a beautiful like lighthouse of a question that's beautiful for engagement. But I love, instead of what do you do, like what makes you you, yeah. what makes you you? Like one of the other things that I always do in my book club is we answer the question, what's one thing most people don't know about you? Uh-huh. It's the coolest question because it's things that they, you have to reach a little bit like, what's one thing most people don't know about me? And it's a really insightful question. So just really, really being able to have somebody in your circle, in your tribe um, that you're coaching with or mentoring with that really knows how to ask the questions to get you to a more elevated life and experience is, is such an important piece of human growth. Yeah, I love that question that you, what's lighting you up? Um, and then also, like that you said, that question, um, what's something pe most people don't know about you? Because that one really makes you think, right? <laughs> you have to really, you have to really think, you know, who's in the room and stuff. But yeah, just having more conversations kind of deep with, with women and besides just what they can produce and what they can do, because I've, from coming from, hustle and to-do lists, you know, I really did believe that my worth was what I could do at the time. And so that's why I hustled and grinded. And, and just knowing as women and mothers, we are so much more than what you can do. If literally your day is literally sitting on the couch and snuggling with your babies all day, that was a good day. Mm. And I really struggled with that. You know, I couldn't just sit on the couch and watch a movie with my kids because there was something I had to be doing. Like, Oh, I struggled with it so much. And so just reflecting on why do I even feel like I have to hustle all the time, which does take time and it does take presence, but it also takes, you know, like it says, slowing down and actually even just being open to whatever comes in that. And so it's been just a magical place. And I really, really urge women to just figure out what lights them up because yeah. life is so much more, you know, life is beautiful. Mm. And I know that there was from some of your hustling, it was kind of like, 
I feel like I'm missing out on my kids growing up because I've been hustling so much. And you've really worked on the power of presence. Like, what does that look like for you to just shift out of the hustle and into more presence with your, with your kids and with your life? Yeah. So with that, I will say it wasn't, wasn't an easy transition because I was so used to going and in a way kids kind of get in the way of that in yeah. my mind, you know, they're like, okay, but you're like, I got to get this done. I got to get this house clean. And then you've got mom, 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 mom. And they've destroyed the room that you just cleaned. And so you're constantly one step forward, two steps back. And so I was getting more frustrated that my house didn't look like this, or we couldn't go do the things. And one thing, and there may be some listeners that can really relate to this. One thing that stopped me dead in my tracks is my son over the summer had a really scary episode. It was like, um, so he was five. At the time, it was like he was having a stroke. He couldn't walk. He was drooling. He couldn't talk. And it's, as a nurse, I'm like my training doesn't really necessarily, when it's your own kid, it doesn't really help. <laughs> yeah. You're actually more, like I was all over the place, chicken with my head cut off. My husband actually was more like, okay, let's get these things done. So we rushed to the ER. Luckily, he started kind of coming back to within 15 to 20 minutes. But we found out he has um, significant changes in his brain. And so we were immediately sent to Spokane. We didn't even, I literally was still wearing workout clothes. My husband was covered in cow poop. And we just show up. My, my son doesn't even have any shoes on. And we just show up over there and they do all these tests. And I, the whole time was thinking like, holy shit, like, I don't think I've been present enough. Like if I literally lose my son right now, I have not been here all. And that is like the worst feeling as a mother. I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but the feeling of, I haven't actually been here. I've been so worried about this to-do list that the five years, you know, yeah, we do some things, but for the most part, when you do your to-do list, you're always thinking about the future. You're not thinking about today or not grateful for today. You're marking the box off for tomorrow, you know, or the next hour. And so luckily with through that, you know, we did lots of tests. We're still in the process of genetic testing, but I thank, I actually, I thank God for that because it stopped me, like stopped me so hard. And now I just look at him and I just smile because I notice other things like I notice the dimples I notice the goofy way he laughs you know which things that I didn't you kind of take things for granted sometimes and so that really just really brought me back to what actually mattered um whether the house was a disaster or not you know and the fact that we just went and played outside or went sledding or whatever it is like yeah you still can do those things as a mother and also just asking for help is really big. You know, ask your spouse, ask your somebody, or even hire a house cleaner, like whatever you yes. can do off your list so that you're more present with your family because that experience was so transformative. And still to this day, as we're still getting results and stuff, is still so, it's still so major to me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I know that that's, that's a, a huge thing and really brings it to the forefront of like what really matters here. And when you're feeling those moments of chaos and debating like, 
what's next on the checklist, like just being able to ask yourself what matters most right now? What matters most right now? And why? Why am I doing this? Like always being able to question, why am I doing this? Why am I cleaning? Now, maybe we're cleaning because of health health reasons and we want to avoid mold in the house and, and, you know, things like that. That's great. We're not saying leave your house a mess and um, disease filled. No, of course, that's going to be on your checklist once in a while. But what matters most now? And why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Can I stop to like look at my kids in the face instead of whatever else I'm doing? Can I just stop and be grateful that we're late to karate practice or the dance recital. It's okay to be late, right? Like give yourself some grace and some space and laugh about it and know that whatever is happening is just happening because that's how it's supposed to unfold. That's how it's yeah. supposed to unfold for you. So so what can we learn from this? How can we grow from this? And um, just learning to laugh more, you know, you've taught me that just in watching you interact with your family and your kids where it's just like, it's wild over here. It's a little wild over here. And just like laugh it off. Like you're, you're, you have the most contagious laugh. It's so beautiful. I'm always just like, it brings me so much joy, but I think, um, you know, that, that laughter comes with just like, sometimes you feel like you want to cry. How can I just learn from this and laugh? Like, you know, we have so many choices. We're always fueled with choice in, in, in our lives. Yeah. I feel like what, um, what you said there is, you know, really learning to, to laugh at yourself because, and laugh at your kids, because some of the things that just fly out of their mouth, (laughs) you just can't. And the situations that you get in, like, that's what motherhood really is, is learning to laugh. And because part of the thing that I think I learned, um, that was really powerful and I don't remember what book it was from. Um, but it just basically said, you know, our kids are not ours. Like, yes, they're here, we're here to guide them, but they're not our own, like not our own to keep. And so just letting go of some of that pressure that we put on ourselves as moms to do everything right, when really maybe your kid, like mine is like an energizer bunny, then you just (laughs) kind of go with the flow, like, because you're just guiding him to where he is. And, you know, he's a beautiful part of your life, but don't try and hold on so tightly. Mm. Yeah. Ah. That's so beautiful. I was thinking about one other thing and I don't know why my, my mind's been trying to jump back to it three other times. So it must be coming through. And that is that authenticity piece of really showing up. Um, like we talked about earlier and why I feel so pulled back in that direction is because I think so many moms feel like it's their responsibility to be strong. Like you said, like, I'm going to be strong no tears. We're going to move forward. We're going to pack all the bags. We're going to do all the things. We're going to clean up the wounds and on over and on with it. Instead of knowing that probably the most important thing that you can do for your kids is show up with all of your emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Is show up and, and teach them how to cry. Like, teach them that it's okay to cry. It's okay to scream. It's okay to be goofy. It's okay to show up in all the emotions, whatever is coming up in that moment and how to cope with it, how to manage with it in a healthy way. And the healthy way is not suppressing it and then going into the bathroom and bawling your eyes out by yourself and then coming back and pretending that everything's okay. 
it's being able to cry in front of your kids and explain that sometimes life is hard and sometimes life hurts and we get to hug each other and we get to grow together and they get to be a part of, of the ups and the downs with you as parents, rather than trying to quote unquote, protect them from all the things. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that's massive. And you know, I'm raising boys. And so there's that usual masculine, like they don't, they don't show tears. You don't show weakness, like these sorts of things. And it really comes from, like you said, your parents and having those open conversations and seeing the frustrations and seeing the crying and seeing those sorts of things, because we are teaching them, you know, how to be adults, how to do these things. Um, I'm sure there's so many listeners right now that maybe as a kid, we're taught, you know, shut up and don't, don't cry, you know, sort of things that now as an adult really doesn't serve you anymore. And so you have all these pent up emotions. I know I felt like I needed to be the strong one for the longest time. So I didn't cry. And it really can, it weighs really heavily on someone. So showing by example is, is huge. Just really talking more openly about emotions that will come across because the beautiful thing about kids, which also the frustrating thing is that, you know, the emotions are right on their sleeves. (laughs) If they're going to blow up, they are going to blow up. They don't care if you're in the store. They don't care if you are at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, it's going to happen. And so teaching them how to cope with the emotions and also respecting that they have those emotions is huge and not necessarily shaming or belittling them for having them because those emotions are, you know, right on our, right on their, right on their sleeves. Yeah. I mean, I wish somebody would have taught me that, um, when you're angry, be angry, like put on a crazy song and just like thrash around, you know, you don't have to scream at your parents. That's not okay necessarily. Right. That's projecting and, and doing all of that hitting other people. Obviously a lot of kids do that, but really they're just looking for somewhere to place the energy. So saying, okay, you can use that energy on your pillow. You can use that energy, um, uh, with your stuffed animals, but we can't use it on other human bodies. And, but, but you can be angry whenever you're angry, right? When you're angry, instead of waiting until it comes up and out on on the playground or wherever else it comes out when, when we're not looking because we don't want to get in trouble. We're, we're, we're taught to be afraid to express our emotions because we're going to get into trouble or we're going to be bullied or we're going to be viewed a negative way, all the different phases of our upbringing and then adulthood, instead of really, really demonstrating day to day to day, what it looks like to have a healthy relationship with your emotionality whatever those emotions are. Right. So I love that you're just such a beautiful example for your kids, um, of what that looks like. And so inviting. Yeah, I had done, um, for the adult listeners, (laughs) I had done my first scream session just this year and I didn't know what that was. I thought it was crazy. And so basically what you do is you put on one or two kind of heavy metal songs. And then generally what I do is I grab a pillow And so you can literally just scream into the pillow, you know, moving your body is really, really helpful, kind of shaking your arms and limbs and just, or punching a pillow, punching a couch, those sorts of things. I remember when I had a lot of pent up stuff over COVID and being a nurse, just all that pressure. And I just felt so much pressure and so much anger and I didn't know how to deal with it. I'm like, gosh, what do I do with this? Cause I'd never been taught what to do with anger. <laughs> anger to me was something that you feared. Yeah. Um, more of an aggression. And so I was, I was afraid of anger. 
not realizing that anger also fuels passion and doing just that scream session. I think I had done it a couple times that week and I just felt so much lighter. So if anything comes up with your listeners, I mean, just, I encourage you just to try it, you know, maybe do it when no one's around. So you don't think you look as crazy or so your neighbors, your apartments, maybe when they're at work. Um, but, and even like kids, like I plan on teaching my kids that because, you know, like you said, that anger is right on their sleeve and just go in your room and cry, scream in the pillow. Like, because it is, or I'll do it to I'll do it with you. Like, let's just scream because yes. <laughs> That's, that's such an important piece too. You know, with, with some of my moms, I'm, I'm like, why don't we invite our kids to the party? Why don't we put ourselves on the to-do list and the kids are a part of it. So they get to come breathe with you. They get to come meditate with you. Even if they think it's a game for the next 15 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, we're all going to be in the dark. And we're all going to yeah. lay on our sleeping bags. You can crawl in yours. You know, make it a game for them when it's a real life for you because they're watching, they're mimicking, they're doing the things that you do. We were doing gratitude practice in one of my groups this past week. And one of the, one of the women had her two kids right around her arms. We were learning about gratitude and it was the most beautiful thing. They said, now they have been boxing me and saying like, she said, my kids want to tell you their gratitude today. How cool is that, that mom was just a part of her program and her experience, but she invited the kids. They were allowed to be there as long as they just sat and listened. And they just thought, well, this is different. We don't know what we're doing, but they heard her, you know, saying and sharing her gratitude. And then they wanted to be a part of it. Same thing with the scream session. It's like, we're all going to go outside or we're all going to be in the room and we're all going to scream. They don't know what emotionality you're trying to shake off. They just think, oh my gosh, my mom lets me scream. This is so cool. But, and, and there gets to be boundaries around that, right? When we teach them how, that we're going to do scream session and here's the rules around that, right? We're going to, this is when we do it. We don't just do it whenever we feel like it, but when you want to, this is where we go. This is how we do it. We scream into the pillow and really making it this inviting inclusive experience. Then it gets to feel productive. Then it gets to feel like there's no mom guilt because everybody's a part of it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Even journaling, you know, journaling has been such a powerful practice for me. And I know that that can seem wild, but what if everybody gets out, quote unquote, their journal? And even if they don't know how to write, they get to they get to scribble or draw or do whatever they're going to do. And, and we're all doing it together. So I think that there's ways to go about it, knowing that I'm not a mom. And to some people that sounds like, well, that's going to be mission impossible. But this like this like level of commitment to yourself is all we really need to come back to who we are and and really stop being lost in motherhood. It gets to be so much more than what you're what you may be experiencing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful for you in so many ways. And I know that there's going to be lots and lots of women who are like, this girl knows what she's talking about. I want to find a circle with moms and somebody who gets me. How can they get more of you in their life? Yeah. So more glimpses into my, what I say, my beautiful mess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can follow me on Instagram. I believe Heidi will have it below in the show notes. I also have a free Facebook community where I am doing my videos and workshops will be in there. There's some free stuff in there. And then also next year, I'm going to be start taking on -on one-on-one clients. And I am super, super excited about this. Um, This work takes time, you know, it takes depth and it is absolutely amazing what comes out of the one-on-one coaching, both for me and the client. Like 
stunning, stunning, stunning. Uh, I can't wait for you to serve so many women in this way. You guys can find her at KC Cunningham, KC Cunningham 32 on 432 on Instagram. And it will be in the show notes along with her Facebook page link. And you're going to want to follow so that as soon as she releases her spots for 2021, which is just around the corner, you'll be able to snag one of those. So Kelsey, I just have two closing questions that I always ask everybody on this podcast. And the first one is, what do you love most about yourself? I already kind of said it already. I, I really think it's the ability to laugh at myself. Because things just happen. Um, I think it was last year I was gardening and I didn't realize I had two different shoes on. Like, it's just the fact of like, you know, things happen and you have to laugh. You have to laugh your way through, through life. Even if it's, you know, it can be the darkest of days or the darkest of situations and always finding, you know, what can you learn from it? How can I laugh here is kind of my mentality of, you know, life gets to be fun. Yeah. And I just, I, I laugh at myself. I love to dance in the kitchen and I don't care who's watching. <laughs> yes. You and I are the lip sync Queens. I can always count on you for a lip sync. And uh, I, I did a birthday fail because I didn't post on your birthday, but I had so many ideas. And then I was, I was navigating life with my little kiddos, my niece and my nephew. And I, lost track. I'm like, the most important day to do lip sync is right here for Kelsey on her birthday. <laughs> and it just flew by, but there's many a days where um, you and I are lip syncing. So follow us on our Instagrams. And then the last question, Kelsey, is what does joy feel like to you? Uh, joy feels like, like in my body, joy feels like a warm hug. And it's something that goes like all across my chest and my arms. It's either like a warm hug or like the sun kissing your skin on a really nice day. That's what joy feels like to me. Mm, who doesn't want more of that? I just closed my eyes. Cause I was, I got goosebumps when you said it's just like this warm hug that just wraps all around your body, literally goosebumps. So that's a, that's a hell yes for me. Yeah. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on, bringing your vulnerability and your authenticity. It just shines so bright and I'm so, so grateful for you. Thank you so much, Heidi. This was absolutely amazing. And thank you listeners for just, just hanging out with us for a little bit. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, please take a quick second to screenshot this episode and share it with someone that you know would love it. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue the conversation on Instagram at joyfullybe. Drop me a message, question, or share your own junk to joy story with me. Remember that joy is contagious. You can help me spread it by leaving a little buzz, aka a review, on Apple Podcast. To learn more about Cup of Joy the Podcast and my soulful services, visit cupofjoythepodcast.com. Chat soon!